justice system is designed to rehabilitate criminals so that they can live within the community again. Some just don't get it and will never stop doing what put them inside in the first place. Some escalate their crimes and we wonder how they were ever let out on the streets again. This is the case of serial offender Craig Mayburn. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Coming at you this week from Amazing Thailand. After spending a few days last week at my mate Andrew DJ's wedding in Vietnam, DJ is the talented composer of the island theme. In fact, the old one and the new one. It was the first time in Vietnam for me, and Saigon is a lovely, albeit busy city with amazing food. And if you like coffee, you will not be disappointed. So I'm spending this week in Thailand catching up with the lovely Kate and using the time while she's at work to sort this episode out. I do apologise that the episodes have been a bit sporadic this last few weeks, as I mentioned last episode. So let's get into this one, which was brought to my attention by Tony, who you may have seen on the Facebook page a few weeks back when we had drinks with our hubby Stuart. So this week we've got Craig Mayburn. Well, he was in the news last week as he was on parole for several sex offences, when he exposed himself to a 12-year-old girl on her way to school. Now, this guy doesn't just flash himself, and in that, that in itself is bad enough. There's a long list of violent armed robberies and rapes on his resume. Like I said in the intro, some criminals just don't get it. They bide their time inside planning for the day they get out, and the urge becomes too strong and they offend again. Now, I don't want to paint every criminal with the same brush, as some, I'm sure, get out of prison and spend the rest of their lives in the community as productive citizens. But there are some that are just pure evil, who will never be rehabilitated, who will continue to offend, and these are the ones who tend to escalate their crimes, and it's these that we need to treat differently before they go on to kill. It's these broken individuals, and granted, some are broken because of their shit upbringing. It's these broken ones, like the old car that just keeps breaking down and it's too costly or impossible to fix, that need putting away for a very long time, or at least until we have some method of keeping society safe from their criminal tendencies. So who is this Mayboom character? i read from court records for which I will rely on for most of this case. Mayboom had a very difficult early life. His mother left his violent and abusive father when he was age 7. He left home age 13 due to conflict with his stepfather. He lived in a refuge for a few months and after some thieving was detained in a children's institution for 6 months. He returned home to be expelled from school at 15 after prolonged misbehaviour, including violence. 
He again left home for refuges, ref, <laughs> refuges and the streets. At age 18, he began to live with his fiancée, but she was killed in a hit-and-run accident a few months later. He was crushed by this. In February 2000, during the short period he was out of prison, he formed a de facto marriage relationship with a very young woman. He began using drugs when he was 13, drinking regularly from the age 15 and graduating to intravenous amphetamine use at 16 and regular heroin usage from the age of 17, including in jail. He has apparently never availed himself of any treatment or counselling for his long-term addictions. Now let's look at some of the offences he committed early on. And this does not include offences committed when he was under the age of 18. In 94, assault police and possess offensive weapon with intent. That's six months. 1995, take vehicle without authority, drive in a dangerous manner. He got two years. In 1996, various dishonesty offences, including car stealing. He got nine months. 1998, use weapon to avoid apprehension, escape lawful custody, sentenced to a minimum term of one year to expire on the 2nd of April 2000. Plus, he got an additional term of one year. So, as you can see from this, that Mayboom, as soon as the little maggot is left back out on the streets and on parole, offends time and time again. He has no fucks to give. In 2012, while there was an appeal over the leniency of some of his sentences, they summarised Mayboom's record. Now, this is what they said. It includes 122 offences dealt with in 20 court appearances. They include a range of traffic offences, dishonesty offences, including burglaries, damaged property offences, escaping lawful custody offences, some offences of assault and some drug offences. The more serious includes using a weapon to avoid apprehension, robbery, armed robbery and conspiracy to commit armed robbery. So there you go. You're going to swipe left or right on this guy. So let's now get into a few of the things he's done. Now, there was a robbery on the 16th of March 2000. At about noon, a woman, six months pregnant, returned to her home unit. Mayboom was standing next to her screen door. As she walked inside the unit, Mayboom said to her, I saw teenagers trying to break in. The victim then went over to her wall-mounted telephone next to the front door. Mayboom pulled the phone off the wall and pushed her onto a bed in the living room. He said, get on the floor. And the woman was very frightened, as you can imagine. Mayboom took a mobile phone from her. Mayboom then picked up her wallet, took $5 from it. He then said to her, stay there, wait 10 minutes before you get up. If you ring anybody, I'll come back and slice your throat. A short time later, the victim heard a car leave. She got up and saw that a television set was missing. She also noticed that there'd been damage to the front screen door and front door. Now, Mayboom's fingerprints were taken from the telephone and wall unit inside the premises by forensic police. When arrested on the 20th of April 2000, Mayboom had in his possession, he still had it, the victim's mobile phone. What a dick. The victim gave evidence at Mayboom's committal hearing. Thereafter, Mayboom indicated on the 27th of July 2000 
that he would plead guilty to this offence after being committed for trial by a magistrate on the 12th of July 2000. In addition, it was in relation to this count that Mayboom asked that the scheduled offences be taken into account. So that means he's got other shit that he's done. He just wants it all dealt with him once. Anyway, there was a robbery on the 17th of March 2000. At about 11.15am, a woman was standing behind a serving counter at the Canberra South Motor Park reception area. Mayboom entered, walking quickly. He went directly to a waist-high swinging door at the space behind the counter. He reached down, unlocked the bolt and opened the door. The victim thought that Mayboom was carrying a large pocket knife. She stepped back and placed her hands up in the surrender position. After the incident, a cigarette lighter with a large black case and silver top was found on the floor. The victim reached towards the telephone and Mayboom said, Touch it and I'll kill you. She moved away from the telephone. Mayboom demanded that she open the cash register and she did so. Mayboom then took about 700 in notes from the cash tray and told her to lift the tray. She did so and Mayboom then left driving off in a vehicle. The victim took down the rego number. So he gets this scheduled offence, unlawful use of a motor vehicle. Because police inquiries revealed that the vehicle was reported stolen by its owner at 11.25am that day. It was stolen between 9.10am and 11am on the 17th of March from a car park. Now it was recovered at about 1am on the 18th of March the next day. So a few days later, armed robbery on the 23rd of March 2000. At about 3.20pm, Mr Brett Morgan was working in the reception area at the Canberra City Motor Inn in Griffith. At that time, he saw a red Holden Commodore drive into the driveway of the premises and into the car park. He saw it turn around and then stop just past the reception area. Mr Morgan stood up to investigate and as he did so, Mayboom entered the reception area. As Mayboom walked towards Morgan, he hunched over. Mr. Morgan was concerned that Mayboom was going to attack him and stood back. Mayboom said, Open the till. I'm going to stab you. Mayboom moved his left hand from behind his back and showed Morgan, Morgan that he had a knife in that hand. Morgan was terrified and started shouting at Mayboom. Mayboom continued to tell Morgan that he would stab him and said, Open it. It's not worth it. Open the till. After further shouting, Morgan opened the till and handed Mayboom the 50 and $100 notes, totaling about $1,500. Mayboom took this money, placed it into a bag that he'd taken from under his clothes. There was a further argument about whether there was any money under the cash tray. Morgan stepped forward and lifted the tray. Mayboom looked under the tray and then ran outside. He then turned to Morgan, smirked, poked his tongue out before getting in the car and driving off. (laughs) If it wasn't such a violent thing, getting an armed robbery happening, this guy turns around and pokes his tongue out at you. The mentality of the guy. Anyway, of course, this other schedule offence will be unlawful use of another motor vehicle. Another stolen Commodore, which, of course, Morgan was able to get the Reggio number from. Anyway, it looks like these Commodores are a favourite of Mayboom. It's not the, it won't be the last he steals. Hi to all the Holden Commodore (laughs) drivers out there. 
Armed robbery on the 2nd of April 2000. At about 1.50pm on a Sunday, Miss Christy Simpson was working in the reception area of the Statesman Hotel in Curtin. At that time, Mayboom's co-offender, a Tristan Dorr, entered the reception area and approached the front counter. Dorr asked if he could use the toilet. The victim directed him to a toilet in the reception area. Dorr used the toilet and then left the reception area. About five minutes later, Dorr re-entered the reception area with Mayboom. Dorr told Miss Simpson that they needed to use the toilet again. I mean, is this getting a bit suspect or not? I'd be start triple-oing 911, triple nine, whatever. I'd be doing that already. Both Dorr and Mayboom then went towards where the toilet was located. A short time later, Miss Simpson noticed them walking back towards the reception desk. As they approached, Mayboom pulled a balaclava over his face. You would have thought he'd done that before he walked in, but it's the mentality of this guy. Mayboom then climbed over the reception counter and told Simpson, Open the till. She did so, then Mayboom showed her that he was holding a knife in his left hand. Dorr and Mayboom removed the money from the till. Mayboom then told Simpson, Get out on the ground. Simpson got down on her knees and saw Mayboom re- remove the cash from the till and Mayboom then climbed back over the desk. About $4,000 was stolen. Again, the schedule offence for this is unlawful use of a motor vehicle. Again, another Holden Commodore. Then we get another count. Conspire to commit armed robbery on the 7th of April 2000 at a, about 1pm. Miss Sonia Thorpe was working as the receptionist at the receptionist at the Diplomat Hotel. That must be in Canberra. She observed Mayboom's co-offender, Tristan Dorr, enter the reception area wearing a black wig. <laughs> Dorr looked around the reception area and then walked down the stairs leading to the underground car park. Miss Thorpe saw, through the front glass doors, a blue sedan parked at the bottom of the front stairs, with Mayboom sitting in the driver's seat. He then got out of the car and looked up through the reception doors before getting back into the car and moving it forward so that most of the car was out of view of the reception doors. Miss Thorpe became suspicious and advised the assistant manager, Miss Loray Kennedy, and uh, Miss Kennedy then wrote down the registration number of the car. And guess what? It was a Holden Commodore. Door then walked back up the stairs and said, See you later, love. Miss Kennedy then called out to Miss Thorpe to call the police. Dorr left the foyer and got into the blue sedan. Mayboom then drove away. So they cased the place. Luckily, these people were, uh, well, they weren't alone, which is always a dangerous thing. And I always think all workplaces, when they're public facing like this, should never have one person. But uh, they were able to call the police and these guys realised that and took off. So, next schedule offence, driving in a manner dangerous, unlawful use of the motor vehicle, which is that car, because police, when they were called, they took off, they found the car, they attempted to prevent the vehicle from driving away, but Mayboom deliberately rammed the police vehicle. Mayboom then opened his door, and as police got out of their vehicle, he closed his door, reversed the vehicle, and he took off. Police lost sight of the vehicle, but inquiries revealed the Holden Commodore sedan with registration YKK154 had been stolen from a car park earlier that day. Here you go.
So we got another armed robbery coming up. Armed robbery and arson on the 13th of April 2000. At about 9.15pm, Mayboom and his co-accused, this time it's a Christopher Hayes, entered the King Ruby restaurant at Hackett. Miss Lee Chu Lam was behind the service counter and thought the two men were new customers. She called for her daughter to come and serve them. Mayboom spoke to Miss Lee Chu Lam, but she did not understand. He moved closer and leaned against the counter and she saw that he had a knife in his left hand. Miss Lam was very frightened, as you can imagine. Mayboom spoke again and said, give me the money. Miss Lam then opened the cash register. Mayboom reached over and took out the cash tray. The two men then ran out out of the restaurant and were observed getting into a gold Holden Commodore sedan. About $600 was stolen. Mayboom with Hayes and another person then drove to Ansley Village where Mayboom and Hayes set fire to the car. The remains of a cash tray were located inside. And again, (laughs) he would be charged with stealing that car. Then we get to the 15th of April 2000. Another armed robbery. At about 8.12pm on the 15th of April 2000, Mayboom and his co-offender this time, Hayes, entered the reception area of the Canberra Lynham Motor Inn. Mayboom then spoke to Miss Faye Ruskin, who was working in the reception area, and demanded money. When he did so, Hayes produced a knife. Miss Ruskin opened the till and Hayes gave Mayboom a plastic bag. Mayboom took the cash from the till and put it into the bag, About $535 was stolen. Again, they drive away in a Holden Commodore. Another one. And of course, they will be charged with stealing that car. So, he ends up getting caught. But while he's on remand, he will end up getting away. So, he gets a a charge of escape lawful custody on the 16th of July 2000. Now, what happened here is at 5.31pm on Sunday, the 16th of July 2000, Mark Spateri, a detainee at the Belconnen Remand Centre, kicked a hole in the gyprock wall of a courtyard near the southern wall of the centre. He then returned to his dormitory. At about 5.33pm, Spateri returned with Mayboom and another detainee, Anthony Fitton. Spateri and Mayboom then climbed through the hole in the wall. A short time later, another detainee, who Lee, climbed out of the hole again in the presence of Fitton. Fitton then covered the hole in an attempt to disguise it and return to his dormitory. Now, Mayboom, you wouldn't think it would be that hard, hey? Here's a remand centre. You're keeping criminals in before their court cases and they just kick a hole in the wall and get out. Uh, anyway, Mayboom was... On the run until the 25th of July 2000, when he was arrested after police dog Lobo and his handler tracked him down and recaptured him at a house in Rivet. Good on you, Lobo. Now, after being arrested, he was searched and a white gold Russian cut diamond ring was located under his right foot. The ring had a gold price tag attached. One side had a tag saying 1800 and which meant $1,800 and the other side had the word Russian and several figures. The ring was seized on the 26th of July 2000. Police showed the ring to a Miss Helen Tyrrell Phillips, the victim of a robbery at Advanced Jewelers in Southland's shopping centre, Mawson. So she identified the ring as being the one stolen from her store during a robbery. Now during a taped 
record of conversation with police on the 27th of July, Mayboom admitted having the ring in his possession, but he further stated that he received the ring from a man known as Phil Norris at a Tuggera, I'll get this, Tuggeranong Homeworld Shopping Centre on the 21st of July. Now, that was a few hours after the robbery. Mayboom stated he was given the ring by Norris to sell. He was to receive money for selling the ring, and if successful, Norris would give him further jewellery to sell. Mayboom stated he did believe the ring was stolen, but Mayboom could not provide police with further details about Norris, and obviously Norris was made up. So, what did all this fuckery get Mayboom? So, he finally has his day in court on each of the four counts of armed robbery, get this, four years imprisonment to be served concurrently. On each of the two counts of robbery, 18 months imprisonment to be served concurrently with each other, but cumulatively on the armed robbery sentences. On the conspiracy charge, two years imprisonment to be served concurrently with the armed robbery sentences. On the arson count, 12 months imprisonment to be served cumulatively on the other sentences. On the escape count, six months imprisonment to be served cumulatively on the armed robbery and simple robbery sentences. On the possession of stolen property property count, three months imprisonment to be served concurrently with the escape sentence. I Ah, <laughs> oh, what a tongue twister. Anyway, so he had hence I should have just said this. He had head sentences totaling seven years and fixed a fixed non parole period of three years and six months. So what the fuck? That's hardly all this shit he's done. And he could be out in three years, six months. Anyway, he wouldn't stay out of trouble when he was released. On the 11th of November 2005 at Canberra, it was alleged that Mayboom unlawfully assaulted a woman who would be named as JT with the intent to engage in sexual intercourse with her that he also engaged in sexual intercourse with JT without her consent and knowing that she did not consent or being reckless as to whether she had consented and that he stole a Sony Ericsson mobile phone and $500 in cash belonging to JT with the intention of permanently depriving her of that property. Also, on the on April the 5th, 2006 in Canberra, Mayboom assaulted a woman known as AF, basically the same, with the intent to engage in sexual intercourse with her. Also, he engaged in two counts of sexual intercourse with her, without her consent, and knowing that she did not consent, or again, being reckless as to whether she had consented. He also stole her white Nokia 6110 mobile phone belonging to her, with the intention of never giving it back. Now, a few years later, this is 2008, May Boom would be charged with the seven offences that arose out of those two attacks. Now, get this. This is what the judge said. Now, they were very similar as far as I'm concerned. Now, he said, given the lapse of time between the two incidents and the lack of any strikingly similar features of the two attacks, it did not seem possible to conclude that the same person perpetrated both attacks so as to render evidence in one admissible in the other. Now, <laughs> both of those attacks seem pretty similar to me. He's attacked a girl, he's assaulted her sexually, stolen her money, 
and her phone. Now, I don't know. I'm not a judge. I host a podcast. But that, either way, the one of the big issues with this case was neither of the women were able to identify Mayboom as the attacker. However, the use of mobile phones stolen from the women and DNA analysis of material deposited at the crime scenes linked Mayboom in each case to the attack on each of the women. Problem is, both mobile phones passed through several hands. The DNA evidence would prove inconclusive and analysis of SIM cards that were put in and out of the phones provided some circumstantial evidence, but still, the police didn't have a smoking gun. Mayboom, Mayboom would say that he had an alibi for the second attack, telling police he was, at the time, robbing a news agency at Killeen. When police told him it was actually robbed a month later, he replied, that may well have been done then. Because that news agency, I believe, was robbed four or five times by me. What the fuck? Now, he was saying this under immunity, so he couldn't be prosecuted anyway. Now, given that in the first attack, the woman could not identify Mayboom, he was found not guilty. However, he was found guilty on the four further charges on the attack of the seven woman, second woman, uh, AF. Also... He would plead guilty to two further charges of common assault on two women while also committing an act of indecency with the same two women on the 7th of April 2006 and another charge of committing an act of indecency in the presence of another young woman two months later. Now this would be very important later on. So on the 25th of March 2011, he would end up getting seven years with a non-parole period of five years. Now, in 2014, he would be found guilty while inside of another armed robbery that he committed in 2005. But let's get to what happened last year once he was again paroled. Now, at this stage, he has done a sexual offenders course, but this seemed to not have any effect on him as at 8.15am, Tuesday, the 20th of September, 2018, a girl, 12 years old, which will be called C.G., left her address in Gordon to walk to her school at Lanyon High. C.G. walks that route every day and has done so for some weeks. On the day in question, C.G. had a school uniform on, consisting of her jumper with school logo and navy blue shorts. While she was walking along Lewis Luxton Avenue in Gordon, she passed a bus stop on her right-hand side in front of a number 9 Lewis Luxton Avenue. CG saw Mayboom sitting on a small chair located on his front porch. He was smoking a cigarette. CG said she saw Mayboom every day on her walk to school. Now, CG said good morning and Mayboom replied hi. Now, CG continued her normal walk to school. CG was able to describe Mayboom as being between 45 and 50 years of age, bulky with broad shoulders, big legs and not very tall. He looked dirty and ashy with short messy hair, a light beard with only a few hairs. He was wearing grey coloured track pants and a really dark grey coloured jumper. CG has seen Mayboom wearing these items, items each day when she walks past. So he obviously doesn't wash. 
Approximately 8.30am, CG was walking past a loading dock at the Lanyon Marketplace near a car wash located on, the, on Norman Lindsay Street. At this point, CG saw Mayboom walking about 23 metres in front of her, but she didn't recognise him at this time. Now, CG noticed the person look back over his shoulder at her a couple of times. Both CG and Mayboom crossed Norman Lindsay Street into the bike path. Mayboom was approximately eight metres in front of her at this time. She began to feel uncomfortable about Mayboom and she tried walking slower to put space between themselves. CG looked down at her mobile phone and kept walking along the bike path. Mayboom was walking in front of her. CG saw her friend D and two other children a short distance ahead on a bridge which crosses over the stormwater drain. CG then saw Mayboom ahead of her stop and turn around, but didn't think too much about it. She began looking down on her mobile phone, and when she looked up again, she saw Mayboom right in front of her with his pants down. At this point, CG recognised the male as Mayboom, being the person she walked past each morning. CG saw Mayboom with his penis at the front of his pants. She described it as small, floppy, with splotchy white skin and a lot of dark-coloured pubic hair. She described his testicles are really hairy and did not appear as if he looked after himself. Mayboom then said to her, You're pretty. What a sicker. This made CG nervous and she was not sure what to do. CG said, Thank you, you're pretty too. Mayboom then said, Can I have a hug? CG said, uh, No thanks, I've got to get to school. So this poor girl obviously in shock, doesn't know what to say, just probably don't get this guy angry. She's just got to get out of here. CG saw one of her male friends and two other female friends about three metres behind and to the right of Mayboom. Seeing her friends, CG power walked towards them. When CG looked over her shoulder at Mayboom, she saw him fiddling with himself with his right index finger as if he was pointing to it. CG and the other girls walked over the bridge to where the boys were standing. CG told friend D what happened and D stated her that he saw what happened and had seen Mayboom's penis as well. They all arrived at the high school and then they got staff to sort it out. Soon after, CG was able to describe what had happened and she was able to say that this guy she walks past every day and was able to give them the address. Of course, police attended it and conversed with Mayboom. They recognised him from earlier dealings, obviously very well known. They made observations similar to the description CG gave of the perpetrator and Mayboom was placed under arrest. Mayboom participated in a recorded interview but made no omissions. So this maggot on parole after spending so many years in prison, each time he's released on parole he goes out and reoffends. Decides he's going to flash his dick to a 12-year-old girl on her way to school and thinks she would be happy to hug him. This sick fuck, as far as I'm concerned, can never be trusted in society. No leg monitor, no sex offender programs, nothing other than locking this sick cunt away would ensure our safety from this perverted scum. Anyway, the judge sentenced Mayboom to 18 months imprisonment. Now, this is to be backdated by 52 days because, of course, he was on remand. 
And the sentence is to commence on the 29th of August 2022 and to end on the 25th of February 2024. You know, that little 12-year-old girl who used to be bubbly and outgoing has totally changed now and is scared to go out. This will be with her forever in some form. May Boom has no remorse and in five years' time they'll let him out again. What do you think he'll do? Escalate to murder, violent rape, abduct some little kid. Really, this scum just needs to be kept inside forever for fuck's sake. So thanks to Tony for bringing this pedo scum to my attention. See, it may not be the most interesting or gory or high profile case I've covered, but it's one of the most important cases because in a few short years, This guy will be eligible for parole or his sentence will be complete and he'll still be out. He's already shown what he can do when released and this is a classic case of escalation of offending. We don't want this scum to become the high profile case. We don't want to look back and say if only he was still locked up some rape or murder wouldn't have happened. All I can say is that when he's let out He gets the same consideration from the general public as he's given to others throughout his pathetic existence. So it's the end of the show and this was a strange one, but uh, anyone driving a Holden Commodore, I hope you've uh, locked it up. Now, on to the Patreon shout-outs. We got a few this week because we haven't had an episode in a little bit. Many thanks and boomfuckalunga to Lisa Jackson. Also to Mike from Murder in My Family podcast. Thanks, mate. Uh, Jessica Nicker. Also, there's Colleen Bakels. Bakels? Bakels? There's also Binder Daliwal. Nina Miller. Byron Wickerton. Laluana Davis. And Celeste White. I'm not sure if I got you last time, Celeste, but... uh, Thank you all so much for your support and thanks so much to all present and past Patreon supporters of the island. It really does make a difference and as you know, I don't like ads. So this keeps it all going. Now, I will be reaching out again when I get home next week. Anybody who's qualified for a mug or a t-shirt, I will send you an email just asking you what you want and to confirm your address. So just look out for your email spam folders sometimes if you're not getting my emails if you want to support the island financially for as little as a dollar a month you too can become a patreon go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island check out the levels and the rewards alternatively you can do one-off donations at paypal.me forward slash true crime island you can also support the island by getting hold of some merch such as t-shirts hoodies beach towels tote bags my favorite of course are mugs i love collecting mugs and the mugs of rage are fantastic that's all available from truecrimeisland.threadless.com remember listeners please don't order the black mugs <laughs> i say that every week i can't take them down without taking them all down see i do have keychains lapel pins and stickers which you'll need to have to contact me directly for this can be done by emailing me cambo at truecrimeisland.com that's also the best way to contact me personally for anything else such as case requests or just to say boom for the manga. 
Now, you don't have to spend money to support the island. You can also rate, review, tell your families and friends, workmates about the island. Now, if they don't know how to tune into podcasts, show them because there's so many podcasts out there. It's a fantastic world. Search for True Crime Island on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and join the closed group on Facebook, please. It's always the best thing to do. Now, I've got a shout out to Daniel Carr. G'day, Daniel Boomfuckalunga. That's from Shanty. So she contacted me this week and wanted to give me a give you a big shout out. So Boomfuckalunga, Daniel. And now that's about it for the show tonight. Lots of love to Maggie James and I've been your host Cambo. You've been listening to True Crime Island and as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Night and boom bagalunga.